Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160, in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. And I'm John. Good morning. Zach, what time do you put these podcasts up on Sunday? Um, It's funny you ask, because it's inconsistent and... Okay. varies based on what I'm, pretty, I'm doing. I'm pretty inconsistent on the YouTube channel as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be holding us back a couple tens of thousands of views. <laughs> Probably. Um, well, it's, well, it's morning for us, so so good morning to the listeners also. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll be <laughs> listening to it on the morning. How was your week? It was pretty good. How about you? It was the first week back at school. So it was a, it was a tough one. The kids don't come back till next week, but uh, but we had to be in in this week doing teacher stuff. It was Shyla's first two days with kids, also, and I've never understood that. Why would they start school on a Thursday instead of a Monday? Um, I get it because coming back to work, we just had to come back on Wednesday, and even those three days, man, I'm beat. <laughs> I know yeah, no gotta... I know nobody else cares. <laughs> you know, coming back to work after a two month vacation, but gosh, it was a tough one. Next week's gonna be tough. <laughs> I can see that. You gotta ease yourself in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially for kids, they like have to ease themselves back in. So what's your first day with students? Wednesday. Okay. So your school has the same line of thinking. Yeah. Right? yeah. And Wednesday's even a half day. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> now that's something I really never understood. Yeah. I get it. I, I think they should I'm all be sure, half this. <laughs> I'm sure you do, but I just like as a parent, like that's gotta be so hard. Are you to, a like, parent, Zach? I know I wasn't aware. No. Okay. <laughs> um I just trying to show empathy, you know, to my fellow man. Yeah. I'm sure the parents are psyched to get the kids back in school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm sure they are, but then like to have to get them. Um, four hours later yeah. i'm saying is weird yeah okay well do you want to get into it yes let's get into ultimate six but first a word from our sponsor every business says they're better but the ones that earn and display the bbb seal back it up it instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity honoring promises and telling the truth Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at bbb.org. And we're back. We're back. Zach, I read these two issues a little bit different than how I normally read them. I read them both, and then I took notes on them going back through like kind of rereading whereas usually you know i read a page and then i type up some here's what happened on it and then i read the next page and type up here's what happened on it and um i got quite a bit more enjoyment out of doing it this way and i don't even think it took longer to do that's good do you feel like you caught more no that's why i was telling you because if i miss some stuff then you're gonna have to be there to be like oh this this happened though (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, so now you you are – we've switched chairs for this episode. You are the subject matter expert on these issues because you have now read them twice, 
and I have only read them this one time for the episode. Wow, I didn't actually realize that. That's true. So it's my first read. There you go. I like this. Yeah. All right. So getting into Ultimate Six, Issue 4. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Trevor Hairsign, inked by Danny Mickey, colored by Avalon's Ian Hannon, and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. So do, we, do you think that that the covers and just the way this looks look a bit older? Like these just came out and they kind of they just strike me as a, as as older, you know? I think it's just a different art style than what we're used to. I think Mark Bagley's art style is much closer to like Marvel House style, so we think of it as that's what comics look like today or at least within the last 20 years. This cover kind of has like a painted texture to it. And just because you don't see that many painted covers that I think they always have a little bit of a retro feel to them. Okay. I like it. I I don't not like it, but yeah, it doesn't look like ultimate Spider-Man, but you know, who's, who's Spider-Man would besides Bagley. Yeah. What? (laughs) Who's Spider-Man would, would look like, ultimate spider-man oh okay okay <laughs> like have anyone else yeah, no, I get, you're, yeah you're not gonna be like oh that's that's this yeah. specific spider-man anyways we open on the five escaped villains in a beach house in the hamptons and we learned that it was the kingpin summer home but since he's gone they figured they can just walk in and norman reminds the other villains not to use their powers because shield can track them and tells them to stay quiet so he can make a phone call. We then see Nick Fury at the White House, seated in the Oval Office with the President. And this is interesting because in the Ultimates, we specifically saw the President's face, and it was George W. Bush. And here he's kind of shrouded in shadows the whole time. I I, I was going to ask who you maybe thought that this was supposed to be portraying, if anyone. I think it's just the president just generic non-specific you know just whatever person is in the seat at that moment are you on page six the the very last panel where he's like screaming i think maybe that profile is supposed to look a little bit like trump but that's the only there's no characterization of him being like trump at all so, I, get either, I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was really anybody either. I get either Nixon or LBJ because the nose is yeah. what stands out there. Yeah. But I don't think it's actually supposed to be either of those people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the president says his chief of staff got a call from his old college buddy Norman Osborne, and Norman demanded a hundred million dollars, his company back, his son a full pardon and Nick Fury arrested and Fury asks the president or what? And the president says Craven, the hunters TV crew is now following the five escaped villains. And if their demands aren't met, they will go live on TV and expose Fury's illegal detention of them. Is, is this, this bad? Would this be this big of a deal? That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) I was like, is that that serious? Yeah, like, 
what are they supposed to do with a bunch of super villains? I have a hard time believing in the universe where there are all of these like villains with insane powers that can like blow up the world like easily that they would care that much about just taking them and like locking them away. <laughs> well, it's not just that. So I think it's also partly like exposing that the government made them. But also, okay. I don't think that's that big of a deal either. (laughs) With all the threats that they face in this universe, like the Hulk destroying Manhattan and the aliens that almost took over the world, like Like, this would be the most minor story. It'd be a 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. (laughs) Would it be a story if, if they were like, it turns out the Hulk that murdered a million people he's being held without due process in that prison cell like he he's entitled to a fair trial you know i don't think people would care that much about that no the bigger story would be hey this was dr bruce banner who was part of the ultimate yeah (laughs) and he killed all your family and friends just to get the ultimates to work together like there's so many more skeletons in the closet that they could threaten and the president says he gives Fury an insane amount of power and bends over backwards to protect him. And the bare minimum he asks in return is to not have these idiots calling his house. And he explains the political implications of this would be very bad for him and gives Fury an ultimatum. Resolve the issue by the end of the night or be fired and arrested. And as Fury walks out of the Oval Office, he gets a phone call from Osborne who says, so am I a priority now? Hope you enjoy prison more than I did. And hangs up. <laughs> this is, it's I, it's pretty silly because I don't think Nick Fury would be in this much trouble. I think Norman Osborn's being a little smug for being like, you can't hold people against your will. I hope you enjoy prison. You know, like, Nick Fury's done a lot for... <laughs> Listen, Norman Osborn, Henry Kissinger in our real world, has done a billion things worse than this, and he's a free man right now. He's probably eating steak for breakfast. Nick Fury is not going to see the inside of a prison cell. Hey, so I just had this thought, okay? Because I think on, like, the next page you're about to read, so I'm also jumping the gun a little bit, but the the villains are kind of talking, and, and Osborne's like, we don't go to prison for things like this. This we're white collar guys. We don't go to prison for stuff like this. We're going to be just fine. We're going to pin this on Fury. And he just called Fury, who is a black man, and he's like, "I hope you enjoy prison like you're going to jail." Is there anything there at all, Zach? Is there anything from Osborne that you know, a little touch of like white people don't go to jail. That's what black people do, you know? I didn't pick up on that. I didn't either until that panel that I just saw where it's like just Nick Fury and it's Osborne on the phone saying, I hope you enjoy prison. That there could be an element of that, but also it's kind of delusional that he would say they're white collar criminals, because as we said in the last episode, we were like, oh, these guys haven't actually done anything that wrong. And then we thought about it and we're like, actually, all of them have murdered. Yeah. (laughs) Except for Craven. I don't know why Craven's there, but yeah. all the rest of them have, like, actually killed people. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was just a thought. It's a good thought. 
It's interesting. Let's see if we can follow that throughout the rest of these stories. See yeah. if it comes back at all. Um, I do think it's petty that he he called Nick Fury just to gloat when it's like they could be tracing his phone. He's got to get out of that house. I'm sure it was hard yeah. for him to even get Nick Fury's number, but he went to all that trouble anyways. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe they're like, tra- I was thinking maybe they're like tracking them somehow because he called him the second he stepped out of the president's office, you know? So I don't know. I thought maybe that, that would come up and, and it still might. Yeah, that's true. How does he know he's not like on his way to the president? Or yeah. He didn't, you know, get a, get out of the trouble, like talk his way out of it or something. Yeah. Back at the beach house, Norman offers the other escapees the same deal he gave them at the Triskillian. They can help him kill Nick Fury and he will pay them handsomely. But they also have to submit to him and Otto's leadership and follow their plan. And Norman explains that he was working to recreate the super soldier serum for S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's how he and Otto got their powers. And he says the same thing happened to Electro. Only he was the result of Justin Hammer's experiments in pursuit of the same government contract. And Norman believes the president will pay them off to buy their silence about the experiments. And we change scenes to the Ultimates flying through Manhattan. Tony this, and this Thor. Is, this is, I know we just keep mentioning it, but it, it is kind of silly because... Osborne's giving this whole speech about how, you know, like I said, they can like play their cards right. And, you know, they'll not only will like they take Fury down, but like they'll get away scot-free and get this huge payday. And at the end, he's like, Nick Fury messed up. And for that, I believe we're getting a paycheck and a free ticket. I He didn't mess up that bad. He just like arrested supervillains. This is what the heroes do. Yeah. So that's that's my... I actually have liked this this run and, and these issues, but that's just a little like silly. Yeah, I would have liked it to have been more thought out. Um, so we switch scenes to the Ultimates flying through Manhattan, and Tony and Thor are actually flying while everyone else behind them is in helicopters. And Clint shoots three arrows into the window of an office building. And the team breaches through the windows. And it turns out to be the offices of the network that broadcast Craven's show. And Fury sees Craven's agent and asks him where Craven is. And the agent says he hasn't seen him since S.H.I.E.L.D. took him. And Fury says, freeze all communications. Everyone gets questioned. I was a little... I'm surprised with how many times we've seen this agent dude. I liked him when he first showed up and I was like, Oh, that's fun. He's a little throwaway character. And now we've seen him like five times, which, which agent dude, the blonde guy with the sunglasses who follows him around and is like Craven baby. And just talks him. Oh, <laughs> um, back at the Hampton house, Otto pulls out a CD disc that he says has all of shield security codes on it. And he says he downloaded it before they left. Sure, buddy. That makes sense. Does it? We've already talked yeah, about Yeah, he how... like shut down the power to the whole place. He must have been in <laughs> he must have had access to whatever he wanted. Yeah, clearly he just had an unlimited amount of time to run around and sabotage things. Yeah. With no one noticing. Um 
Meanwhile, at the Triskelion. But, but, at, but at the same time, S.H.I.E.L.D. has to know that somebody downloaded all of their security stuff onto a CD. Like, you cannot tell me that you could walk into any business and, like, download all of their stuff without some sort, without setting off something that people would be like, what in the world was this? Something was downloaded? Like, dude, I worked at the the DFAS government building here in Indy for like a month. And my dad worked there for like years and years and retired from there. My sister works there. They are so, you cannot bring flash drives in to the place. Like, and I know, and so they're just very, very like, you can't be downloading stuff from the computers on. Like it sets off alarm bells when that kind of stuff happens. So for S.H.I.E.L.D. to not know that this happened is, they're just not very smart. <laughs> Whenever in these comics they say S.H.I.E.L.D. is, like, the most intricate spy agency the world has ever seen, and I think what they really mean is they have cool helicarriers and, like, a $10 billion headquarters building, but all their actual, like, digital infrastructure and security protocols are just, like, held together by scotch tape. (laughs) They just have superheroes on standby. That's that's what makes Shield anything good at all. I'm pretty sure the Times Square McDonald's runs a tighter ship than Shield does. <laughs> um. So meanwhile, at the Triskelion, Peter Parker is standing around in his Spidey suit with the mask off, getting restless. He says he feels like he should be doing something, and an agent tells him to just sit tight. And he takes a moment to call Aunt May, and he tells her he's at the library and that he loves her. And just as he hangs up, someone at a desk announces that they're being hacked. And Fury yells into his earpiece to shut all systems down. But it's too late, and all electronics at the Triskelion go dark, and electricity starts crackling everywhere. Peter and the agents who are with him start speculating that it's Banner or Magneto. And a massive blast of electricity hits the ground, and when it subsides, Electro is standing there. The agents try to shoot him. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so you thought they were... You thought they... The agents thought it was Banner or Magneto. See, yes. I... I was thinking... I was reading that as thinking... All the power went out, and they were immediately like... Banner's gonna get out. Magneto's, Magneto's locked up too. Like, you know... Like, they oh. were saying it like that, you know... That makes sense because Banner and Magneto are both being held at the Triskelion as prisoners. My my guess was they thought, oh, they escaped. They like, did it. Like these Spider-Man villains just escaped last week. What's going to happen if yeah. you know the Hulk or Magneto escaped? Like okay. they must be causing this. That's what I thought. Okay. Um. So the agents try to shoot Electro. But before they can, the bullets are blown away by a spontaneous sandstorm. And Peter tries to shoot webs at Electro, but the sand materializes into a fist and smashes Peter against a wall. And the Green Goblin jumps into the Triskelion through a hole on the roof, crouches over Peter, and says, My boy, as the issue ends. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good, right? Yep. Shield is totally infiltrated. Who could have thought? Who who could have ever thought? 
Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts as uh, someone who's only read it once? Um, <laughs> it it's good, but I wish it was like more thought out. You know, like I like where the story's going. I just wish I wasn't constantly being taken out of it by these, you know, logical fallacies. Yeah. Or, you know, inconsistencies. Yeah. I don't I guess I don't really mind that that much. You know, we like comments on it, but it's not really making me uh enjoy it any less. That's good. Be- because because the the root of the issue, we don't really care if Nick Fury goes to jail. Like we don't care about Nick Fury's career and his relationship with the president. We just care that like the villains are out and the heroes have to stop them. So like, you know, Nick Fury's personal drama is like secondary kind of and i think on some level we know he's not going to get arrested and norman osborne get all his money back in a full pardon yeah Yeah. um i do so spoilers for the next issue we don't see magneto at all um and i do have a little bit of a problem with them teasing these things that are interesting and then not giving them to us for instance they've now mentioned the kingpin twice and they were even at his beach house and i was gonna be psyched if he was the sixth in the sinister six you know i was gonna be like because because they are even having a conversation and they're like there's no way he's coming back here he's in argentina or something and i was like next page kingpin's walking in the door um nope didn't happen and 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 it feels the same way with Magneto, you know, when when Shield breaks down and they're like, at least this is how I read it, like Magneto might be escaping. I want to see Magneto in the comic book, like, and we just don't get that either. So that's my biggest. Uh, that was my biggest problem with them is they're teasing these villains that I want to see that I'm not getting to. Yeah. I can see that. So, out of ten weaknesses in Shield's security apparatus, <laughs> what would you give this? Um, I told you I like these. I gave it an eight and a half out of ten weaknesses in Shield. Okay. I I'm I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I think I like it a little bit less, but there. I mean, it's still good comics. Yeah. Okay, so issue five. Peter's being swallowed up by a bunch of sand hands on the cover. And this one, I think, looks a little more old-fashioned than the last one. Kit, uh, you know, you, you kind of said it right, but I don't know. Something about it just brings back memories. Um, The creative team, story by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils by Trevor Hairsline, inks by Danny Mickey, Colors by Ian Hannon and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And Black Widow goes and is meeting Aunt May outside of her wine group, which is pretty funny that Aunt May has a wine group. I don't know if you mentioned that during her phone call with Peter, but (laughs) I just love that that's like a reoccurring thing that Aunt May has a wine group on like Tuesdays or something. Um, and she's there with a bunch of shield agents and she tells May that Norman Osborn has gotten out and they need to take her into custody. And back at the Triskelion, the place is in ruins and Fury is 
pretty mad about it. We we get a big panel of him just like scowling, looking over the wreckage. So you know, you can tell. I I feel like he is um he is probably pretty upset with Norman Osborne right now. Like he he probably really feels like Osborne's getting the better of him at the moment. Well, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, okay, so I said, fortunately, though, during this attack, because like I said, I read the last page thinking they were worried about Banner and Magneto maybe getting out. And the agents say that fortunately, Banner was taking a nap during this uh, like infiltration. So he's still in custody. And Magneto's air supply was cut off. When the, when the whole place shut down. So he thought he was being tortured and just passed out. And neither person escaped. And Fury says, all the villains took was Peter Parker. And then he says that again in quotes under his breath, maybe, Zach? I'm not sure what that was supposed to... Um... I think that's what he's doing. He's just repeating okay. it to himself. It's like, oh, all they took was Parker. Man, you can tell he's really bummed at himself, I think. And uh, Peter starts, so then we cut to Peter. He starts to wake up at the villain's lair. And he can sort of hear them chatting. We can't really tell who's who's talking. Um, but Osborne notices Peter's waking up and says, my boy. <laughs> and Craven immediately turns into a wolf man and like punches Peter, screaming at him that he's just a kid. And I think we've caught him in a plot hole here, Zach. What am I about to say? They should have already known that. No, Craven used his powers. Shield should be on him. Oh, oh yeah, I okay. guess they did just shut down Shield though, so so maybe that has to do with it. I did but... also notice that last night when I was reading, I was like, he just used his powers, but they should have. Yeah, they they've told us like a hundred times that satellites will go off if they hear him if if anyone uses their powers. So. You know, I don't know. Maybe whoever was uh, making that page kind of forgot about it for a second. But Shield also just did get destroyed, so so maybe we didn't get them. It didn't. I don't think it got destroyed, but like there's the satellites one wouldn't have gotten like beat up. You know, there's like one section of the building that's on fire, and I think everyone's like just focused on yeah. fixing that section. Okay. Um. So Doc Ock immediately throws Craven across the room. And Osborne gives him like a little speech where he's like, Craven, you are clearly the weakest among us. And like Zach mentioned in the last episode, we don't even know why you're here. So if you don't have better behavior and Craven is, is immediately like, okay, I've got it. You're right. <laughs> like, which, which I did think was pretty funny. That is so funny. <laughs> It's like who's the who's the weak link of like Insync? Isn't it like Lance Bass? Uh, no, it'd be like it's telling not Lance Bass. It's got to be Joey Fatone. Okay, it'd be name? like it'd be like Justin Timberlake telling Joey Fatone off and be like, "Don't you ever step in on my solo yeah. moment again? <laughs> I will crush you, little man." Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it, it yeah, and it is funny how Craven's just like, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Um, so Osborne again looks at Peter and says, "My boy," and Peter asks him why he keeps calling him that, and Osborne tells Peter that 
he and Doc Ock created like Spider-Man. So they're like basically his parents and he's their pride and joy. And he's got a solid amount of like crazy to him. He's rambling a bit. I don't know if you want to like tell it, say any more like exact quotes, Zach, but he's, he's just like rambling a, a little bit. Gay icon, Norman Osborn telling Peter, his two dads love him very much. Yep. Yeah. He, that he, he is like being very understanding with Peter. He's like, we're not mad at you for imprisoning us at all. Like you didn't know what you were doing. You had Nick Fury telling you this, like he's a bad guy, you know? And now like you're, you're with your family here. Like we're all the genetic experiments of, and uh, I don't know if Peter wasn't as good morally, he might, it would have been easy to fall for that. I think it's unsettlingly warm from Norman Osborn because we've never seen him be warm before. Yeah. Like he still sounds villainous, but it yeah. sounds like he's trying or like he genuinely thinks he, he cares for Peter. Yeah. And when he finishes his like spiel about uh, what, you know, what we, what we just all talked about, Peter kind of like breaks out of his restraints and he just starts screaming back and he's like, you guys are all so crazy, but Norman Osborn, you are the nuttiest of them all. You are a goofball. And Osborne just like very calmly interrupts him while he's yelling and says, your aunt may will die tonight. And then if I still can't get you to behave, I'll kill that little girlfriend, Mary Jane, then her family. If you ever talk to me like you just did. I know it's a trope of like villains threatening to kill everyone the hero cares about and everything. But this actually felt really chilling because of how oh, yeah. calm and understanding he had just been. And you don't get the sense he ever changes his tone when he says, no, I, I, yeah. I will kill Aunt May. Yeah. He's like, um, I don't know, the way he is talking, it's, you know, he's like a villain that just knows he's got this plan on lock. Like, the way he talks to Fury, you know, he's like, got it under control. And yeah, even with Peter, he like, maybe for one second, is like, you're one of us. You're the pride and joy, like... You should help us. But the second he gets any type of like pushback, he's like, I'm going to kill everybody. So like, you don't have a choice in this. And then he acts like he's so generous because he's like, you know, I forgive that one outburst that you get that one for free. Yeah. I, <laughs> I forgive you. I still love you. But if you ever talk to me like that again, I, I 100% will kill them. Yeah. <laughs> This is clearly someone that knows um, love and what that and what it means. We love you, but we're gonna kill everyone if you don't do this. I thought you were gonna say this is clearly someone who knows the chief of staff of the United States of America. Yeah, well, maybe that too. Well, he does. It's his college buddy. Yeah. So, do you think they're buddies, or do you think the chief of staff is like being tortured by this? Also, kind of. That's what I got. Well, yeah, I think at one point they were they were close. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so it is kind of too bad that Peter doesn't know Osborne is lying here. So Peter agrees to go out. He's like, "Don't kill them," you know. Please don't kill them. And and he's sort of like tentatively, you know, he's going to go along with whatever they're doing for now. And then we cut to 
shield where they have aunt may at the shield facility and and fury says they also have eyes on mary jane so it is kind of too bad that peter doesn't know that osborne is lying about this you know as far as peter knows he is probably like if they broke into shield and kidnapped me surely they have already had they've already gotten these other people you know well the way i see it S.H.I.E.L.D. could have 20 of their best men outside of Mary Jane Watson's house, and it's still not going to stop. Electro will fry them in one second. Yeah, it's not going to stop any of the, you know, Sinister Five. Yeah. Yeah. And they've broken well, it. They broke out of S.H.I.E.L.D., then they broke back into S.H.I.E.L.D. What's one more trip to go get Aunt May? Yeah. Um, so so we do cut to Aunt May, who's raising hell with a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She's, like, yelling at them because they're telling her that they have Peter in custody, but they're just being kept separate. And uh, May knows that they're lying, so she's, like, yelling at them. And they tell her as soon as Osborne's back back uh, in custody, then they can release her. And, this and is what, where, do, they, what yep. do they say to get her there? Because it they seems tell her They tell her suspicious. that Osborne escaped. And that he was, like, threatening her and Peter. Her and Peter, I think. Or they were threatening Peter, maybe, specifically. I think she was already skeptical of all this when they said that, because she's like, why would he be doing that? Yeah. And, of course, the answer is because your nephew's Spider-Man, but they can't tell her that. Yeah. Save a lot of trouble if they just, you know, be honest with each other. So I think that's part of the reason why she's mad is she's like, I know none of this makes sense. Why are, yeah. why have you taken me here? And she and she has been asking. I I scrolled back and in that page, like she asked like twice, and the last thing she says is, you know, holding up the same finger that she's holding up for the shield agents now, like in the exact same drawn way. She's like, What happened to Peter? And that's the first thing we she says again when when it cuts back to her is where's Peter? So yeah, she knows that they're not telling her something, obviously. Did you skip over the part where she says, I want to talk to your supervisor? <laughs> oh, oh, May. That oh, line Karen. is just funnier than it was 20 years ago. I don't care who you are. Yep. yep. Um, and it's And it's also kind of funny because she's like yelling at these agents. And then we do get just like one shot of one, like reverse shot of them just like looking back at her that. When I actually started that sentence, I thought it was agents outside the window, like looking in at her yelling, because that would be funny if she was like causing a scene that people are like poking their heads around the corner. Uh, but no, they're the same ones that are in the office with her. Um, so then we, we see Fury and his agents are watching this on the monitor. You know, like we said, they've got agents at Mary Jane's house. Um, and this And this agent he's talking to says that, Osborne has 40 different warehouses and labs that they need to go and check out. And as they're kind of saying this, Captain America just sort of strolls up and he must be like giving Nick Fury the side eye or something, or his vibes are just off because we can't really see Captain America's face at all. But we we do see fury just all of a sudden kind of explode and goes, what, what captain, what, what is your problem captain? And then captain America kind of turns around and gives him a look and, and uh, you know, they, they walk off to have a private conversation. But what did you think about that? 
I wish we had gotten just a little bit more of Captain America so we can see how he was like looking at him, you know? Yeah. It's that's some Bush League framing. Like you can't have in comic books someone responding to something that you can't see. Yeah, and I can like picture it because you you know sometimes when people walk up to you and they like have something to say but they're like waiting to but, to but say it. But it didn't even but show us that he walked up to him. It it does. We get well well, no, it doesn't. You're right. The first panel that we see Captain America is the panel that Nick Fury explodes him, at him in. So you're right. It's not like we even get to see him, like, stroll up. So, yeah, it is. Um, oh, well. It's know. just bad visual storytelling. You know, yeah. like, it's a scene that could have worked, but they just didn't even tell the story visually. Yeah. Um, so so they go off to to speak privately. And Captain America has clearly been, you know, he's pretty broken up that all of this trouble is happening because of uh, the super soldier serum that he got like 70 years ago. And he says, you know, 70 years and all we have to show for it is this half half mutated homicidal thugs. And Fury just sort of brushes off his concerns. You, he, This is what he tells him. He says, you are like the atom bomb. And ever since you were made or the atom bomb was made, every other country has been trying to replicate it or improve upon it. Like, this is just how the world is, you know. Um, and he tells Captain America that the next war will be a genetic war. But but I think he does a good job of being like, this is not your thing, Captain America. Like, you don't have to feel bad about any of this at all. This is just, like, how it is, you know? Because he just doesn't... He's like, I don't have time for your silly-ass emotions right now. Like, this isn't... It's not It's not a big deal. Stop worrying about it. Yeah. And I liked the comparison of him to the bomb and the idea that it's like, if he wasn't the one who made it, eventually someone would have come along and done it, and... If, yeah. if he hadn't have been the one who received the serum, some other soldier would have been, and the same process would have started. Like, yeah, it and actually he, has very little to do with Steve Rogers. You know, the fact that they got to this genetic arms race. Yeah, that was the that's that's the very next sentence that I've written down. Is he tells Rogers that this has nothing to do with him. People like Osborne and Doc Ock, who are greedy and crazy, will always do something greedy and crazy. If if it wasn't genetics, it would be something else, you know, which which I also think is is kind of a good point. Like if they weren't messing around causing chaos in this field, they'd be doing it with something else, you know. Um, so Nick Fury is very good at diagnosing the problem, but very bad at, finding <laughs> at a solution. solving it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fury, Fury and Cap are still like having their conversation and Fury says they were going to snap. He's talking about like Doc Ock and, ba and Osborne. He says they were going to snap and they were going to come face to face with me and they were going to try something to dot. And he pauses, get back at me. And he pauses again because I, and then Captain America says, because you what, what? And Fury gets a big excited look on his face and says, I know what they're going to do. What did you th what did you think of this uh this like little paragraph of text? That's another thing. I read that page before I, you know, turned the page probably three or four times trying to figure out what he thinks they're going to do. 
and there's really how no, would he figure that out i don't there's no clue the so the okay, thing you want to do it's like the blue backpack i was going to ask you if you knew what this was you got to go to this page because i i have it written down i says what's the blue backpack thing they're looking at because that is what gives him the idea but i don't know what that is i think it's and, peter's i think peter left his backpack there when they kidnapped him from the building Okay, well, that would have nothing to do with what their next plan is or where they're going. So (laughs) whenever you're telling a story and you're setting up like the twist or, you know, you want the character to finally understand everything, you need to have given the readers enough pieces of the puzzle and then the the preceding statement have something to do with it so the readers can put it together just before or just as your character is figuring it out. So the readers feel smart and like they're along for the ride here. It's like (laughs) Nick Fury was talking about something completely unrelated and And then had an epiphany that we can't see. And not only that, because that's, that's one issue that he's like, I know what they're going to do. And we don't have any idea what, what he's referring to. The, the other issue in this is, I find it so annoying when people don't just spit out their words when they're when Nick Fury because Nick Fury's also about to give us a really p- big piece of information for why Osborne and Doc Ock like hate him so much because there's obviously like more going on there and then he's like never mind it's not a, you know and it's it's like what what did you do and the thing is if that gets expanded on later it's a good tease. It's a hook. It's a plot point to continue in later issues. I don't know that it will because we've got two more issues in this series and it yeah. seems like that's going to be a boss fight and some kind of resolution. Yeah. And for all we know, he was also just talking to Captain America about like, because I held them in custody after they killed all those people. I always knew they'd be mad at me for that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Fury says he knows what they're going to do, and um, and Zach says the blue backpack is Peter's, which doesn't have anything to do with it. So we then cut to the White House, and the chief of staff gets a call from Osborne, and he tells Osborne that the U.S. doesn't just cough up 100 mil for anyone who asked for it, and Osborne is, uh, you know, he, he says, that's fine. We didn't expect you to pay anyway. It's, you know, everything they've been doing has just kind of been like distractions, I think, or something. Um, and just as he says that, Electro zaps in and elect- electrocutes everyone in the Oval Office, but luckily they're able to get the president out safely. We can't really see anything. It's all dark. We just kind of hear people yelling. And then outside the White House, the villains kind of start just exploding bombs and and electrocuting people. It's like the military was ready for a brute force assault on the White House because there's all these tanks and soldiers on the lawn and they're just immediately dispatched. Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't really notice that. Yeah. And... We we get this full page shot of the Sinister Six, Peter included, um, and they're just kind of standing over this carnage, and there's like a totally electrocuted skull in the foreground, um, and they look pretty scary. And I think the Green Goblin 
well, he just looks mighty professional. He's got some like dockers on with a nice belt. This <laughs> <laughs> is just pretty funny. Um, but he's got his arm around Peter. And uh, so they're about to storm the White House. And then we, as the villains begin to walk towards the White House, we get a big shield helicarrier led by Iron Man and Thor and uh, drops down in front of them. And Captain America, with a big Uncle Sam finger, jumps down in front of the villains and says, you're trespassing to be continued. Well, those were some cool looking panels. The last couple or uh, cool pages. The last couple ones. Yeah, I bet we're in for a lot of good action um, yeah. in issue six. Yep, I liked it. Uh, it was fun. It was fast paced. Yeah, I liked it too. It it did seem like fast paced. You know, um, I know we were talking about some stuff that maybe we didn't really like that much from this one, but. Oh, like that one page just with Fury, like a couple pages back. But I don't know. I had fun with it. I gave yeah. it another, uh, well, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 something. <laughs> uh, let's see. 8.5 out of 10. Let's scan the notes here real fast. See if we can figure anything out. 8.5 out of 10. uh pairs of dockers for the green goblin okay. because you know he's got to be he's got to be going through them i'm pretty sure they're ripped in this picture right those here. were pretty fashionable dockers and the yeah. belt looked and the belt was nice <laughs> i want to know what he was pairing it with what was his shirt before he went goblin mode yeah yeah i wonder i wonder if it is like bruce banner where it's like spandex kind of and it stretches when he goblins out or if he has to like take off his clothes goblin out and then put on bigger clothes i think the implication is funny that they had to give him some kind of garments to cover his goblin <laughs> but meanwhile electro is back there fully nude and i don't think you're allowed to say goblin on i was the pod. i'm gonna bleep out one of those words <laughs> but meanwhile electro is in the background fully nude and just like flat as a Ken doll. I mean, it, it looks like family Dude, guy. He's, he's, he's very similar to Dr. Manhattan in all Except of this. He can just like appear anywhere he wants, you know, and basically like do anything he wants, but he doesn't have a blue. Cock. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan <laughs> is always swinging around. That's true. Um, okay. So what'd you give this one? Uh, I give this a nine out of ten. Oh my gosh, really? Fashionable talkers. Yeah, I liked it. I got into it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited for these last two. I thought it was kind of a fun little just juxtaposition on the last few pages. When we get the full page spread on 21 of the villains approaching the White House, the background behind them just looks like flames. It looks like the whole... Yeah. The whole sky is just on fire. And then on page 24. And, see... and on that same thing, like, Zach, that skull makes me so sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to start crying if I even start talking about it. But, I, you know, I don't like it when they just randomly kill off people because that character probably had, like, a family. And now he's just a skull. And uh, anyway. 
I don't like these supervillains. I'll just say it. Yeah. But, so on page 24, to juxtapose the sky being on fire, you see Captain America standing in front of the lighthouse, and it's just a beautiful blue sky day behind him. Okay, so I'm, I'm yeah, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned, like, the White House, and, and there's an American flag there, and on the on the page before, you know, we get this cool shot of Thor and, and Iron Man leading the helicarrier, and there's another American flag, and this doesn't feel as heavy-handed as the past Ultimates did, where it was like, America! Like, this feels a bit more... I don't know, like, um, which is insane. I just don't hate it as much. (laughs) It's still so blatant, but it just goes to show like how wild Ultimates was. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, Okay. You got anything else on this? I don't. Do you? Nope. I don't. I don't. Pretty good. I am looking forward to these last two. Is that what we're doing next week? We're finishing this up. Yes, next week we'll finish this up. Ultimate 6, 6, and 7. Nice. Okay, so what do you have for me? Let's get into our final segment. Ooh. Something interesting. Random banter. Random banter. Okay, so you know I'm trying to get off Twitter. I'm trying to get less terminally online. I I, I, I need to delete it. I need to delete it and Facebook, so... (laughs) Same, but I hit a snag this week. I fell real deep into a rabbit hole. Do you know what Planet of the Base is? Zach, that video is my favorite video of, like, the past ten years. Oh my god. I've watched it a hundred times. I've sent it to my buddies. You know, that... That is so perfect because that is how, like, Bass Hunter and all those, like, kind of gaming Euro music back back when we were growing up. I just loved it. So what were you about to say? Oh, my God. I fell in love with it, too. Like, I've already been watching Kyle Gordon videos for a while on Instagram because I think it's funny when he, like, impersonates old-timey baseball players or doctors or something. I had never heard of this guy. I didn't know he did but, music, but, but the, the like one second shot right after he says bass and then it zooms in on him and he manages to do like four different things in one second. He like smirks and does a gun and does, the, and it's just the most perfect like thing ever. Okay. I also love it. I'm just, I'm just so Someone called it hypnotizing, and I was like, "Yes, yeah." That the girl, is the, the sensation girl, the of girl watching and it. the faces she makes are also hypnotizing. Like that's okay. So that's where I'm going. I think she makes the video hypnotized. I think he made it funny. I think she makes it like transcendent. Yeah, yeah. And I know, I know what you're about to say. Her I'm, name I disappointed is me also Miss Biljana Electronica. And the first dozen times I watched the video, I honestly thought it was like supposed to be her song and he's her goofy little backup dancer guy who gets like a verse. And once it blew up, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this is DJ Crazy Time's song, Planet of the Bass. DJ Crazy Time is going to be playing it live at this bar in New York. Hey, DJ Crazy Time is releasing a full version of the song. And he August 15th, I saw 
I was psyched. He reshot the video, and it's no longer at the Oculus in New York. It's now like actually in some European city. Yeah. And it's and boring, he, and the girl got, doesn't do anything. And... He got another pretty girl to be in the video, but it's like, instead of Miss Biljana Electronica's just hypnotic, dynamic charisma just eating up every second of the video, this this girl, she is the least charismatic human being I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um. Okay, so... I saw that also, and I was like, "Oh, why would you do this? This is gonna, this is gonna cause that goodwill to go downhill that that he had." But I have seen some pretty funny jokes that are like perfect, and it's probably not what he was trying to do. But you know, some of them were like, you know, in all reality re-releasing your hit song in a way worse version is the most 90s euro dance thing you can do and and that is so true <laughs> i don't know enough about euro dance to really care like i understood it was parodying something and everyone was like wow this is so good this is just like those songs used to be and i'm like i can't name a single euro dance song or artist i'm just vibing with this yeah and so I don't really care that that's like authentic. It's like when people are like, oh, they didn't make the comic accurate in those movies. And it's like, yeah, those comics sucked. They made it better. Yeah. I don't want an accurate Eurodance parody song. I want to see Miss Biljana Electronica yeah. get a you know, full four minute version of chewing up scenery that's that's what i'm hoping i'm i'm really hoping this version that comes out on the 15th because i will be waiting to watch it i'm hoping it's a full music video from that first that that full like for her biljana electronica or whatever and uh, i'm hoping it's her singing also because you're right she she is just like hypnotizing i watched it and it's like when she does the sad and it cuts in the middle when she's doing it to another thing. And she's making the same exact fit. Oh my gosh. I'm like, how, how is this? Watch every shot that she does. So I, I figured it out. It's so seamless. Like when they go high and then low, yeah. the shots, you know, they're like looking up or they're looking down. Anything goes. That's fair game. Yep. But whenever yep. they're shooting her head on every single shot, if, her hands are going up in one shot, and then they cut to a different location. Her hands are in the same position, and they're yeah. still going up. And if they're going down, they cut to a different position, they're going down. If she's, you know, like making a facial expression, she carries that over. And I'm like, she was so good at that. Like, just well, imagine the difficulty. Also must of, have been so good. But yeah, to do the exact, to have it look the exact same, like... That like she is, was remembering is... right where she left off and could just snap yeah. back into it like that. Well, her her parts are the best parts of that song. Not Absolutely. only because of her, but also because I guess his name is Kyle Gordon in the background of her parts just being like, come on, come on, electric, electric is also just too funny. It's every every part about that video just kills me. This is not Eurodance, but it reminds me of the dude in Evanescence's Bring Me to Life. I'd, I'd have to watch it. The guy who's just there to sing, wake me up. Oh, yeah. I can't wake up. 
That's funny. and he's not even in the band. They just I've heard like the studio thought, oh, having a song with a male voice on it will make you sound better, and they did it, and that Good. ended up being the big hit. And that's funny you say that because for a long time I thought Evanescence was like a band with like a male lead singer. I think, and then I remember like I remember having to see that multiple times before my memory finally clicked that like no evanescence is a girl like because i just never knew that <laughs> yeah to be fair i couldn't i couldn't name another song of theirs but it does feel kind of bad that like that's the case that like this you know the the singer has put in a whole career into this band and like can't get out of the shadow of the you know one she, time a guest you know vocalist. Who she looks like no Evanescence. Yeah, in in that video, I always thought this. I haven't thought about Evanescence more than what I just talked about. Liv Tyler. <laughs> oh, I can kind of see that. <laughs> anyway, um, oh Zach, well that was great. That was a great. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. But yeah, this ended up being, I, I thought about talking about that too. This ended up being a lot more positive than I expected it to be because like we had to explain how great the song is and I could just keep talking about that. But the whole point of this was justice for video. Justice for Miss Bill Jono Electronica. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was, She's that, the was real a, star. that was a huge mistake. That was like a big fumble. I can't believe that that happened. And all because, of the comments because he is trying. He is acting the same way, kind of. But it's just like a totally boring. And she's not really singing. Like she's like just like mouthing. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I just said it was a huge fumble on all that goodwill of that. Like you had the whole internet in the palm of your hand. Just release the song, man. And all of the comments. Not most of them. Not like 90% of them. Oh, I'm Every sure. single comment. You can scroll for 30 minutes and everyone's saying, where is she? Yeah. What's with this new girl? We want Miss Biljana Electronica. Oh, sweetie, you thought we were watching this for you? <laughs> like, they are tearing him apart. We are. He's also funny. Um, he is funny, gosh. but yeah. Okay, do you want to get into my thing? I've got something fun for us. Yeah. Let's have okay. Fun. So, I I have not I, you know everything's been all about Barbie and Oppenheimer the past couple months or like six months or whatever, and I have not seen either of these movies. I thought you hadn't seen them either, um, but it doesn't. It's not really going to be a problem because what I've done here, Zach, and I'm kind of taking an idea from from a channel, Mister Sunday Movies, that that they do sometimes, but I've compiled a list of a bunch of reviews from either Barbie or Oppenheimer. <laughs> and you have to guess which movie they're for. Ooh. Okay. I like so- this. Sound, sound good. Yes. This will be fun. Okay. Okay. Um, I've got 15 for you total. So we're going to go out of 15. All right. Okay. So, and I sort of put these in an order, but I did them pretty quick. You know, I don't really get it really. Uh, so, Number one, proof that Hollywood can still produce epic movies. Blank is without question the best movie I've seen in years. It should win every award possible. That's got to be Oppenheimer. That's Oppenheimer, one for one. Yep, I wanted to start you off with an easy one. Okay. 
Okay. Yep, that one's by Stephen R. I got all of these off Rotten Tomatoes. I wish I had compiled the stars, um, but I but I didn't until like halfway through and I didn't feel like going back for him. So that's Stephen R. on Oppenheimer. Okay, Zach, you're one for one. Number two, one of the worst movies I have wasted time on. I'm going to guess that's someone who didn't like Barbie. <laughs> that's an Oppenheimer one, Zach. That's Ooh. one out of two. Okay. Yep. That's by Yumi Hani A on Oppenheimer. Okay. Yep, one out of two. This is there there's going to be some tough ones. Um <laughs> uh, I was it was not what I was expecting. It was very feminist, some very gay scenes in it. I was disappointed. Would not watch it again. The gay thing is throwing me off, but I'm going to go with Barbie. That one's Barbie. Yep. I'm wondering what they think was Michelle W. Barbie. Huh. Because I've seen Barbie. I saw that like two nights ago. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking back. I'm like, what are they talking about? I heard the Ryan Gosling dance has been like a lot of people's favorite parts. that's That's what some of the teachers were talking about yesterday. I mean, I could see people calling the Kens like maybe feminine or something. But to me, they just come off, come across as like metrosexual because they're very clearly pursuing the Barbies. Yeah. I got to watch this movie. Okay, you're two out of three. You ready for number four? Yeah, let's do it. Horrible movie. Too freaking long. Boring. Husband fell asleep. I got so anxious for it to end. I'm going to say Oppenheimer. Zach, that's a Barbie one. The clue was the husband falling asleep. That's uh, that's what you got (laughs) to... Well, I... uh... I know. As yeah. soon as you said it's a long movie, I thought, oh, yeah, Oppenheimer. I thought I might get you on that one. Yep, that's Lila. That's Lila on Barbie. Okay, that's two out of four. Was left a little disappointed with this flick. The advertising built it up so big, but it was just, eh. I'm going to say Barbie. Zach, you're not oh doing my God. great on this one. This, is, <laughs> this one's Oppenheimer. This is by Sam S., these are so vague. I know they are. Yeah, I know. I, as I was compiling these, I was like, "These are really vague." None of the, but, but I do try to get. I, I think I've got a couple good ones in here. So, wow, two out of five. Okay, you can still make. You can still make this. Uh, make this count. Okay. Very dull. I immediately fell asleep. Now remember, the last time someone fell asleep. The husband fell asleep. They were talking about Barbie. Okay, this one says very dull. I immediately fell asleep. So I could see someone thinking Barbie has a slow start, but I'm also guessing Oppenheimer could put someone to sleep early on. Uh, I'm going to say Barbie. I think you're tripping me up. (laughs) I was trying to help you. It's Oppenheimer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, two out of six. It would have been mu- oh here's here's one you'll surely get. It would have been much better if they didn't belittle men and kept the left's politic agenda out of the mo- out it the movie. I kept Oppenheimer. All of the- Just kidding, Barbie. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Thank the Lord. Yep, that's by Heather. That's Barbie. So that's three out of seven. It's interesting that these like oh it's too feminist reviews have been from women. So that's actually why I am reading the names after I do the reviews because a lot of the Barbie reviews I got are women's names. 
So I didn't want to like give any of them away by saying, you know, this is by Kelly, you know, there's something going on there. Yeah. I don't know what, but if someone wants to do like a doctoral thesis or something, maybe, maybe that's a place to start. Okay. You're three out of seven. I cannot understand what all the hype is about with this movie. I went in with an open mind and had high hopes after hearing glowing reviews in parentheses. I was so disappointed. Would not recommend. I'm going to say Oppenheimer. (laughs) Nope. That one's Barbie, Zach. (sighs) Are you at least having fun? I are the listeners having fun. Do you think? (laughs) Okay. That's three out of eight. All right. Special effects script acting soundtrack dot 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 superior i'm gonna say barbie good grief you are just you know at a certain point this one's on you i think is there a soundtrack (laughs) to oppenheimer i feel like it would all just be score that's see that's a good point that you just made you know zach i'm actually gonna give you that one because of that because you're right this person this person wrote the wrong word in their review they should have used the word score because yeah. Oppenheimer does have a score and Barbie probably has a soundtrack. Well, I mean, what? I'm, they, I'm, do they I'm, drop you know the what? bomb and then a, a flame ASAP <laughs> Rocky song starts playing? Like, I don't think that would be That'd the vibe. Be awesome. um, but you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you this one because uh, you didn't get it. So because three out of nine <laughs> because it was wrong. So three out of nine. Okay. Hopefully the listeners are are going along with this. Also, comments what you what you score you got on these? Did you beat Zach? Probably. Number 10. Interesting film. Very strong political message and on the social constructs of our society. Well, that could be either. I mean, all of these could clearly be either. That's the point of the game. Uh, (laughs) Miss A. Barbie. That one is Barbie. Hey, I'm at the four. Yeah. Okay. Four out of 10. You can still, you can still finish over 50% here. You've only missed six. Okay. Really good, but made me sad. Frowny face. Oppenheimer? That one's Barbie, Zach. (laughs) I was thinking that was going to be a fun one. (laughs) Really good, but made me sad. Yeah, I didn't know why Barbie would make someone sad. The frowny face emoji. That one's by Katie. Okay, four out of 11. You can't miss any more if you want to get over halfway. (laughs) I don't like my odds. Okay, Zach. A great movie. The character, a redneck, you feel sorry for rednecks. Actually, Margot Robbie, a bogan herself. A really cool flick. What? I, I feel like they saw a different movie than I did, but they said Margot Robbie, so it's gotta be Barbie? Oh, I'm sorry, Zach. That's 2017 hit film I, Tanya, starring Margot Robbie. <laughs> okay, so you cheated. All right. Zach, you're not having fun. That's cool. This. That's cool. <laughs> okay, that was the only one of those I threw in. Uh, I thought maybe you'd have a chance if you had seen, if you were if you were like, oh, Margot Robbie has a redneck. She's a redneck in I, Tanya. Okay. Entertaining and political. Barbie. Yes, that one's Barbie. Yep. Okay. We'll throw out I, Tanya. So you're 5 out of 11 here. Or 5 out of 12, maybe. 
I think five out of 12. Okay. Maybe this one will sneak up on me later. Sad to waste the talent of the actresses with so little to work with. I'm going to say that's Oppenheimer. That is Oppenheimer. That's a good one. I thought I might get you with the actresses. Because the actresses uh, in Barbie actually had like a lot to do. Good point. Okay. Okay, so that's 6 out of 13. Zach, this gets you up to 50%. Great movie. Even better venue. What a great theater here in downtown Scranton. <laughs> I'm noticing you didn't read the name. Is that Dwight Schrute? I didn't read the name. It's not. It's not. It actually doesn't have a name. Whoever made this account on Rotten Tomatoes has the name Google. Oh, okay. <sighs> great that would movie. Be funny. That great, would be funny. Better venue, huh? Um, what a great theater here in downtown Scranton. Jeez. Um, and this is to get me over 50%? This is to get you to 50%. This oh. would be 7 out of 14. I'm going to kick out the Itania question. All right, flip of a coin. I'll just say Oppenheimer. It's Oppenheimer, Zach. Yeah. You've got it. <laughs> what a comeback. You've gotten to 50%. So... Zach, you had fun with that, right? Yeah. I would okay. have done just as good if I had just Flipped picked one movie and just said you, that one movie every time. You would have, because I picked seven and seven, and then one I, Tanya. Yeah. Um, well, that was Well, fun. listeners, if you did that with Zach, let us know how many you got. Did you get the I, Tanya question? Who knows? Um, Zach, you got anything else for him today? I feel like I've seen quite a few margot robbie movies but i have i don't even remember i tanya existing oh it's a good one is it yeah she's tanya harding okay it's okay. got allison janey from the west wing she's cj as her mom oh that's fun yeah see i almost picked a review that said like margot robbie and allison janey are great at this then <laughs> i didn't but yeah i okay i'm realizing now i think i remember that being advertised but i just never saw it so um well you, you got anything for the listeners um i do not okay well then thank you to ian hickey for our music and Alyssa seaman for our artwork and thank you all for listening and leaving a review or a comment you can find us the first read ultimate spider-man podcast on spotify or apple music uh and you can leave us a comment on instagram at first read podcast send us send us an email at first read spidey at gmail.com or find us on youtube first read ultimate spider-man podcast next week we're finishing up this ultimate six i'm excited don't miss it yep see you next week